0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: And now, Paul, time to talk about the quarterback situation. And that first portion of the podcast you listened to, was taking place a little bit before Thursday's practice as we waited to get a little... more feel of what was going to go on at the quarterback position and as it stands right now we are two for two on days of Daniel Jones practicing and he was first up on Thursday with the first team at quarterback seemingly moving around well again which would have been my biggest question is not just Daniel Jones playing how is Daniel Jones moving and Paul I think we need to start operating under the assumption we're getting Daniel Jones playing a football game in London here.
2: Yeah, I think that is the way the arrows are pointing right now, Sean. Uh, From the eyewitness uh, reports that I can give you from watching him, he was able to roll right. He was able to roll left. He was able to drop back into the pocket and plant and fire and even do some light jogging between the drills. He looked to be moving fine, and I didn't see any swellness in his left ankle. Uh, It was taped. I'm not going to lie to you. He definitely has some tape, and he's wearing red high tops, not the Johnny United's black high tops from like okay. 50 years okay. ago. Okay. Red high tops, okay? Uh, and does say it gives him a little bit more support, but uh, he is extremely optimistic, and his teammates uh, talking to them after practice in the locker room seem to be very optimistic about Jones being able to
1: do what he needs to do
2: against Green Bay.
1: So I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this. So full disclosure, Paul and I kind of had the same mindset heading into Thursday, which was, Hey, if Daniel Jones is good enough that he's taken reps in practice, but doesn't have his full artillery of mobility, maybe the play is he dresses as we've seen NFL players serve as a backup and worst case break glass, get glass in case of a Davis Webb injury emergency. That's when you go to Daniel Jones. Here's well, my, here's my million dollar question, Paul. I've seen I know that I've seen with my own two eyes Daniel Jones play quarterback without his legs and being injured and I know with my own two eyes it hasn't been pretty and I doesn't mean that he's not a tough player for going out there and playing all we heard was that it was an ankle Brian Dable played it close to the vest is it possible it really wasn't ever an ankle sprain and it was you know. Hey, he twisted an ankle, and we know we're not professional athletes. We've done that and been okay after two, three days. I mean, if this is truly an ankle sprain, then I still hold my breath on what exactly he'll be able to do Sunday.
2: Well, I don't want to diagnose him medically because I don't have that doctor's degree, but I I will say this. Uh, It seems to me that you know, two years ago when he had the sore hammy and the sore ankle, and he talked his way onto the field, he was not the same player. You and I both agree, and we did not enjoy watching him that day. That wasn't fun. No. That was no. not fun. Now, no, he's moving much better today as we tape this on Thursday, much better than he was two years ago because I watched him practice then. And it doesn't even look like the same guy. He's much more fluid okay. right now. Well, that- so whatever the case may be, that, of course, included a hamstring too. He had a hamstring and an ankle. Right. Now he's only got supposedly an ankle. But here's what I will say, uh, Sean. It, it's my, my opinion that if he is good enough to play and good enough to be effective in the coaches' minds, they have a responsibility to the rest of the team to put the guy out there who gives them the best chance to win. And if they believe that Jones at whatever percent he is, is better suited than Davis Webb, then they have to put him out there. But I will say this. They also have a responsibility to Daniel Jones not to necessarily give him those running plays that's in the playbook, because that puts Man. him in harm's way, and that would give you a lesser chance to win if he gets knocked out of a game. Now, Man. I will tell you, I made some phone calls. You know, I've been doing this for forty years, so Thank I made you, some Paul. phone calls, and I asked some people who played quarterback and also who have coached quarterbacks if a right-handed throwing quarterback has a sprained ankle or pain in his left ankle, specifically his front foot, how could that possibly affect his mechanics when he's playing the
1: game? Oh, we went real deep.
2: Oh, I went real deep. That's what I do. (laughs) All right, what do we got? So what I was told is that depending upon his mechanics in the pocket, if he is a torque thrower, that is somebody who uses his twist at the waist to get extra mustard on the ball, it's not a big deal. But if he is a weight shift and balance thrower, which he is more of, I don't see him as a torque thrower. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay? He's more of a weight shift and balance thrower. Now it depends on how much weight shift he puts on his back foot. That's his right foot, which he plants in the pocket, compared to his front foot. I diagnose him as a light weight shift thrower. Not a heavy weight shift thrower, which means there will be a more minimal effect on his throws. But what I was told is that you can look for erratic passes that will either be wide, specifically when he's throwing to his left, or would be low and short because of the pain in the left foot. Now, this is a generic, mechanical type of analysis That I was given. It is not specific
1: to Daniel Jones. But it's something you guys might want to watch for. That makes me very nervous, Paul. Now, I will say this. I, I give the coaching staff this. If Daniel Jones goes out there and plays football on Sunday. If we wake up Sunday as we expect. And he's going to be the starting quarterback. I personally feel like I have seen a coaching staff be ultra- uber conservative and cautious with guys coming back from injury, right? I mean, Kadarius, Tony, who knows week to week, Wandell coming back at Leonard Williams. They didn't allow him to talk himself back onto the field for two weeks. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, So far, through four weeks of the season, the Giants, unfortunately, have dealt with a lot of injuries, and I haven't seen a lot of guys rush through, or dare I say, really playing with true injuries. I mean, geez, even the Thibodeau-Ogilori stuff, they weren't necessarily rushed back. So, if Daniel Jones takes the field on Sunday, I am under the impression, from what the coaching staff has showed me, Right. That I think Daniel Jones is forget weight shifting those full go full go with his running ability. I really, really, really believe that. I don't think that they would let Daniel Jones take the field without his full complement of being able to run. Now, does that mean they scale back the runs? Sure but I don't think that they're going to put Daniel Jones knowing this offensive lines issues either and sit back there and say, Hey, now you're a thrower with this weak wide receiver room and we versus a great pass rush in green Bay. And they're going to tee off on you without your running mobility. If they're playing him, Paul, I got to assume he's able to run. Well, they've got to, as I said earlier,
2: they've got to be sure in their minds that he's not a safety risk to himself. And then they also have to be sure that in their minds, he is capable enough to give them the best chance to win. If if he's cleared both of those hurdles in Brian Dable's mind, and maybe even perhaps Joe Shane's mind, then he gets the green to play. And so I agree with you that there has to be a standard that he's got to clear. Uh, it sounds like and looks like as we speak right now that he's cleared it.
0: Okay, picture
1: this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. uh you know uplift to this team i mean if daniel jones goes out there on national tv uh, on a sunday morning where he's under all the scrutiny and he you know he games it out and he looks the part i mean i think he already kind of got respect nationally a couple of weeks ago in a loss versus dallas people kind of were like wow can't blame daniel jones for that one maybe this is a spot where the team rallies around him and maybe i, I don't know maybe maybe this could be a big moment for his career but i i'm going to feel real sick to my stomach come noon on sunday if the team is uncompetitive as a result of Daniel Jones turnovers and not being able to run the football game, like that would really dishearten me. Uh, And I, and I'm sorry, I think would take a little bit of that shining glimmer that so much of us as fans are feeling around Brian Dable and the staff away for like, Oh man, you really let that guy go out there and play like that. What are we doing? Yeah. I think
2: circumstantially, if if this turns out to be a rotten egg uh, on Sunday morning, I think there's going to be a lot of feelings like what happened two years ago with the Cardinals when he forced himself onto Joe Judge, went out there, and a very beatable Cardinals team just teed off on Daniel Jones and beat the Giants into into the stadium field and and just made you like shake your head like, what in the world just happened? Why was he in the game, and why did the Giants just get their butt kicked? You do not want to feel that again. Sean, I – I, I don't even want to see the stomach contents that are no. going to be all over your shirt.
1: No, no. And I can already tell you, we're playing. My dad's got the backyard bar. We're going pancakes on the hot flat top outside. We got eggs. We got bacon. We are doing the full kegs and eggs experience. We're ready to go couple mimosas i can't be throwing that up at halftime if it's you know 21-3 and we're not moving the ball and daniel jones is getting crushed back there so i hope that's not the case and by the way as we about to do fantasy and reality that's the reality of the situation i'll have chocolate chip pancakes all over me paul on the msg pregame after doing a five mile walk and there's me being a piggish slob on a sunday morning (laughs) different types of scenarios here as we head into Sunday morning. All right, it's time to look ahead before we make our game predictions and give our fantasy versus reality takes here as we do on one giant step leading into every game. My fantasy play this week for the Giants. If you have him as a kicker, I'm all in on Graham Gano, Paul. He missed that kick, which, you know, again, could have been a problem had that lateral gone crazy uh, for the Bears at the end. But Look, I saw Will Lutz kick a ball from over 60 and then miss one just barely off the upright in this same stadium. We know Graham Gano's got the leg. We know he's beat us from 60. Uh, And I think, unfortunately, this is going to be a game for the Giants where I think they're going to settle for a lot of field goals. I think they're going to get stoned in the red zone. And how could you not feel that if if the Packers load up the box and Saquon doesn't break one? Uh, maybe the tight end gets free for a touchdown, but I think that you're going to get you know three, four field goals. They only say five field goals out of Graham Gano. I think anytime the Giants cross midfield, they might be aggressive and then ultimately settle for three. So that would be my fantasy play. My reality here, Uh, Packers special teams have not been good for a couple of years. Rich Versace is in there this year. We've seen bad special teams plays in some of these Giants games cost them, or at least hurt them in certain spots. Now they've also recovered fumbles, but Richie James has had a fumble, bad field position. There's a big return here and there in some of these games. The Giants can't be giving Aaron Rodgers short fields, and they can't be giving the Packers offense senseless turnovers on special teams. We're going to have enough to worry about with Daniel Jones and the legs. Who knows? Pick, fumble, whatever goes that way. We can't have the special teams cost the Giants the game. That's my reality worry in this game.
2: Oh, I don't think there's any question. The two best paths to victory for the Giants, to take one of Parcells' old phrases, is clearly the running game and Saquon Barkley. Make sure he gets himself about 30 touches. Obviously, some of them will be in the passing game as well. But the Packers' secondary they do not support the run very well at all. In fact, their safeties just really have done a terrible job on the ground game. And so, you look at that, and you say, my god, if Barkley can get some holes up front, he could make some very big plays in the running game. So, you got to keep feeding him the rock because eventually he will be able to break some big ones. I would think sometime during the course of the second half. So, I do think he's a great fantasy play, but that's the chalk. So, yeah. I will say to me I also know that when your quarterback's trying to get rid of the ball quickly, and maybe they'll try to do that with Daniel Jones, you always look at the tight end. The tight end can always be the best friend of a quarterback if he's looking for the quick release. And that's why Daniel Bellinger, I just got a feeling, if you want to sleep or pick on fantasy, Bellinger could easily catch four or five balls and maybe even catch a touchdown pass in this game, and that would not shock me at all, uh, especially out of the play action if Barkley gets it going. They're going to be trying to cheat on him, and that's going to give Bellinger an opportunity to make some plays. As far as the special teams, that's the second path to victory. The Packers' special teams have been abysmal for years. Now they're barely functional, which is an improvement for them, but still not very good. They're giving up an awful lot of yards in the return game. The Giants need to take advantage of that and give themselves some short fields, and we'll see if they can take advantage, because those are the two things, the Giants' running game and the Giants' ability to potentially win big on specials that would give them a realistic chance of upsetting this Packers team.
1: Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, if Gary Brightwell returns the opening kick for a touchdown, I'm doing Monday's podcast butt naked. I'm just telling you right now, that's what's going to happen if we get a big play on special teams to start. Paul,
2: I'd looks rather he right get now. tackled
1: at the one. Is that all right? <laughs> Uh, by the way, so would my wife. So would my wife. So, <laughs> all right. With that, let's give our, our game predictions. Uh, I'll start it off, Paul. I do think we lose this game. I think the defense does make some plays here, and I think it's closer than you think, and I think we are very much teased in the fourth quarter and invested in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, though, I think we'll have some red zone struggles. As I mentioned, the Graham Gano kicks. A little bit of an oddball score here. I think we lose this game 20-15, to but we will be in it, and maybe Daniel Jones has a chance to lead us down for a touchdown late. I just have a feeling this is one of those games we're going to lose here.
2: Well, you know, the Giants are are second in red zone defense in the league, allowing touchdowns only 36% of the time. So the bend but don't break has been terrific. I think the run defense is going to provide much more resistance to the Packers than they're used to getting. So, I do think the Giants are going to be able to keep it close and competitive. And quite frankly, uh, I'm not so sure about the Giants' offense, even though they're going to be able to run the ball, I don't know that they're going to open it up and explode this week either. So, I see it being a low scoring game. I'm looking at the Packers with a 50% red zone defense, which is tied for 10th in the National Football League. So, it's not that they're slouches either. And by the way, their first down, uh, their third down defense is by far the best in the league at under 24% third down conversion rate, which is insane. Absolutely insane. So I'm looking at the Packers winning this game, probably like 20 to 16, because I think it'll be a much slower game than people expect. And I think that you'll get a a lot fewer possessions for each of these quarterbacks. And even though they may drive between
1: the 30s, I don't necessarily think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns. What is this? The price is right, Paul. I go 15, you go 16. You're just trying to outdo me by one point. Is that what we've done? Well, here? This, morning, this
2: morning, I thought it would be 13. And then when I saw Daniel Jones moving as well right.
1: as he was, I figured so Daniel would field goal. Try to get another field goal thanks to Daniel Jones. Or maybe look at it as another touchdown. Who knows? Whatever, however, maybe it's two touchdowns to the safety at this point.